Hey everybody, welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast and I'm joined today with Alero Awani and we are going to be talking about the journey into Kubernetes. Alero, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Very fine. How are you? Oh, good. Can't complain. It's Friday, so we're uh, we're almost there. That's always <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. So the first thing that I want to touch on here, and I, I think if I if if my memory serves me correctly from your Twitter profile, you were in the data engineering space before, right? Yes, I was. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And what what were you kind of doing in, in that realm? So okay, so actually, still a student, a mechanical engineering student in the university, but then I decided I wanted to do something in tech, but. I wasn't really sure. So I started off with Python and then um, from there, I went over to data analysis and then did did a few things in machine learning. And I found out that it wasn't really for me. So I wasn't really enjoying it per se. And then someone told me about data engineering. The, the person was like, okay, so if you're not if you're not enjoying analyzing data and all that, then maybe you would enjoy building pipelines and everything like that. So I said, okay. And then I got into data engineering and um that was when I got introduced to the cloud. So I started working with AWS and um in the process, I realized that I had to find a way to deploy these resources faster. And then I found out about Terraform. So with Terraform now and everything, I discovered, oh, okay, like this, this is what I really like. And the thing with data engineering is that I didn't really like the parts where I had to focus on just data. So I found out that I was so interested in setting up the infrastructure, automating things, um, writing bash scripts and everything. And then I said, okay, I want to move into DevOps full-time. And then that's how I started learning DevOps full-time. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. So it kind of sounds like when you first started university, you were thinking about mechanical engineering. Um, now, perhaps you're thinking more in the in the computer science space or more in the cloud engineering space, or do you think that you're going to continue your degree in mechanical engineering? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to continue my degree. I'm in my final year right now. Oh, cool. So, nice. yeah, I just have to finish it. But then after school, I'm going to be focused more on um, cloud engineering and DevOps. That's awesome. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for, for me, at least I kind of felt the same way. I've, I've dabbled a little bit in data engineering. I was never really like focused in it. I was never like a, a database administrator. I was never focused in analyzing data and all that. But I do have experience from like a machine learning perspective, especially from a Python perspective. Obviously, Python is very big in that space. And I think the good thing for you, though, is that even though the data engineering piece didn't work out, you can still utilize the Python piece. You can still utilize the machine learning piece. Python is is very huge from an automation perspective in cloud and DevOps. So I think that that's, you know, obviously something big there. And then even from a Kubernetes perspective, there's actually a tool you may want to check out. It's, it, it's pretty interesting. It's called Kubeflow. Um, and essentially what it is, is it's, 
a easier way to deploy machine learning workflows inside of Kubernetes. So that realm is even coming to light a little bit. So I even think like your your previous background in data engineering may help you there as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and even like from a from a Python perspective, I think that it's pretty cool because there are certain flows that you can take to even pick up and learn Kubernetes. Like for example, one of the things that I I often think about is like there's there's prerequisites to learning Kubernetes. You know, you gotta you gotta understand some programming language, and then you gotta understand how to containerize it, and then you gotta understand how to deploy it in, in Kubernetes, right? So it's like you know, you already have the Python piece down. Now you just got to break into the containerization piece and the orchestration piece. So with that, I mean, you know, right now it seems like you're pretty focused on learning Kubernetes overall. And as a newer engineer, how are you feeling about it so far? It's very, very broad. That's something I would say. So um, actually, when I... When... When I picked up Kubernetes, um, I didn't really know that um, you had to at least have knowledge in like an, an operating system or networking and everything like that. So when I picked it up, I just um, searched for a YouTube video. I think it was like three hours long and everything. So it covered the basics, namespaces, um, pods, nodes, all that. So. When I was done with the course, I thought, okay, this this is everything Kubernetes is about. I don't know. And um, I was really shocked when I went through the docs and everything and I saw more than what was in the course. And I think that was actually one mistake I made, thinking that one course would actually cover everything I needed. Yeah, it actually went through the basics very well. But then at the end, I discovered that, wow, like this thing is very, very broad. So for now, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying because I often see this a lot where engineers in general, right? Like it doesn't matter if you've been an engineer for a year, for five years, for 10 years, when people kind of jump into Kubernetes, they think, oh, like this is just an orchestrator. I just put some pods in this cluster and it kind of does its thing, right? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not the case because, you know, there, there are so many prerequisites to fully understanding Kubernetes. Um, I've been in engineering for a while and I started out my career in like more infrastructure. So like systems administration, um, infrastructure engineering, all that stuff. And then I kind of moved into the application development piece of it, you know, so started out my career in infrastructure, moved into building applications and stuff. And then that's when I moved into more of like the DevOps realm and, and SRE and all that. So I kind of had those prerequisites already, you know, like I had the infrastructure piece, I had the networking piece, I had the operating system piece. Um, I understood how to deploy applications. I understood how to, how to build applications. So it made my journey a little bit easier. But for newer engineers, I, I honestly, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine how difficult it is. And I think the, at least from my perspective, just looking back on my experience and then looking at now, I, and I'm curious if you agree with me here. I think that the layers of abstraction 
make things more difficult. Do, do you kind of see that as well? Like, for example, like, you know, in today's world, it's kind of like, yeah, just throw throw an application into Kubernetes and you're good to go. But when you kind of peel back the the onion there, it's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. I need networking. I need infrastructure. I need to understand how scaling works. I need to understand how the underlying infrastructure works, um, the, the underlying networking works in pods and the networking for hosts and all that. So do, do you think that there's like too much abstraction? Yeah, definitely. I like when I was starting out, I thought, okay, you just have your YAML file, right? And then you can just specify this, this, and then everything will get deployed for you. But then when I started going deep into it and I started running into problems. So the the problem now is that when you check Stack Overflow and then you see a solution and it's like the the majority of the solution is focusing more on networking or more on your operating system, something like that. So I experienced something like that. And because of that, implementing that solution was very hard because I did not have that prerequisite knowledge. So yeah, a lot of things are actually abstracted. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's funny, like whenever anybody asks me, hey, what do I or like, how do I learn Kubernetes and stuff? And, you know, sometimes the response will be or well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say like, hey, well, what's your background? And then the response will be, well, I'm just graduating or I'm, you know, a developer or something like that. And my always my first recommendation is never a, a Kubernetes course. It, I always send them a Linux course. <laughs> like <laughs> it's always like learn the basics of Linux, learn the basics of infrastructure and all that, because it's it's needed. I mean, you know, I, I I'll arguably say and maybe this is a dispopular belief, but I'll say that understanding infrastructure and networking is far more important than understanding software development when it comes to Kubernetes. I have a question. Sure. Um, when you say infrastructure, what exactly do you mean? Could you talk more on that, please? Absolutely. Yeah, good question. So when I say infrastructure, I'm typically talking to two pieces. Number one, the actual systems and then number two, the operating system. So for example, uh, two, two versions of a system, right? Like maybe you have something on-prem where it's actually running in a server in a data center, or the other version of a system in today's world could mean like a cloud instance, right? So for example, you're, oh. you're working in AWS, so that could be like an EC2 instance. And then on the other side of it is, you know, whatever operating system you're using, like maybe Linux or Windows and whichever distribution of Linux. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's, you know, so from that perspective, right? Like when you think about it, I mean, even think about your, your Kubernetes journey, right? So what was the first thing you had to do? You had to spin up a Kubernetes cluster, <laughs> whether it was on-prem like on, on your local computer or something like that, or maybe it was like an EKS cluster in AWS or an EC2 or whatever, right? Yeah, so, um, okay. I actually had to um, use an EC2 instance to <laughs> spin up an Ubuntu environment and then install Minikube and Docker there. So that's how I started off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, 
the first thing that most people need to do is something with infrastructure, something with an operating system. Yeah. You know, maybe you're using your local laptop and you're using like Minikube or something like that. Or like you said, maybe you're jumping into Minikube on an Ubuntu server in an EC2 instance. So 10 times out of 10, whenever somebody's starting their Kubernetes journey, it always starts with the infrastructure piece. So the systems and the, and, and the operating system. Yeah, that, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, it, uh, it it definitely makes for the the conversation around like what's the more important piece, um, and then that and then after that is typically when you get into like the development piece of things. Um, you know what application you're deploying, what container you're creating, what container image you're creating, all that good stuff. So, out of curiosity, what what was your workflow for like your first application deployment in Kubernetes? Okay, so after taking the course, I actually had like a list of projects that I wanted to work on. And in that list, your repo was actually a part of it. Um, I think it's um, DevOps the hard way oh, yeah. with AWS. I think where you have to deploy is it an Uber API or something like that. But then I haven't done that yet, but um, I decided to try to contribute to open source and it was very hard, honestly, because I realized that I actually had to like have an understanding because the back end was um, actually with Django. So I realized that I actually had to have an understanding of like how Django works, of how the database is actually working and everything and how um, the APIs are working because <clears throat> even, so so the, the, um, the application was already deployed on Kubernetes and everything, but then there were issues that um, were there that I had to fix. So um, the good thing is that the issue wasn't really uh, a very in-depth one per se, so I think it, the main issue there was something that had to do with the external service and um, yeah, the external service basically and other remote Docker containers trying to communicate with the Kubernetes cluster. So the main issue was that the person did not use the Kubernetes external service to communicate, um, I think the person was using the internal service. So that was actually an easy one. But then the, the process of getting to that solution was not really straightforward because of the different components of the um, application. But then at the end, after a very, very long time i had to um look in look um a bit into django i had to take like a short course on apis and everything before i could actually get there but then when i got there i was really happy i was able to solve the issue and everything and then it was merged and i was really happy so for now that's the only thing um i've done so it's not like a personal projects per se or an application deployment because they've already deployed it. But I'm really happy that I, I got that opportunity and I, I was able to actually face that challenge and do 
and apply the knowledge I had gotten from the course. So that that's all for now. That's awesome. And and I think the the ironic, interesting, and slightly funny piece of that was you were fixing an issue for Kubernetes, but 90% of it had to do with other things, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that's always the ironic piece to me when it comes to Kubernetes is like, you know, people think again, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, people think when they just get into Kubernetes, it's like, yeah, you just take an application and you deploy it and then you're kind of good to go there. But there are so many prerequisite pieces, you know, like, so for example, in your case, the, uh, the application that you were working with, the backend was in Django. So like, first thing was you had to learn Django. And then even before that, you had to learn about GitHub and you had to learn about pull requests and fixing issues and working yeah. in an open source project. So it's like all of those things. And then 10% of it is like, oh yeah, it was using a, you know, internal Kubernetes service instead of an external one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting thing to think about because, you know, like we were, like we were talking about, there's so many prerequisites to actually understanding and learning and diving into Kubernetes that it, it almost like, how can I say it? It, it almost <laughs> seems like a negative to start with Kubernetes and instead everybody should be starting with all of the prerequisites like for example instead of starting with Kubernetes maybe people should be thinking about more of like the the basic concepts of like learning a programming language learning infrastructure learning operating systems do you think that like that's a good place to start or do you or maybe I'm wrong like do you think that it's good to start with Kubernetes and work your way backwards to the prerequisites I actually think at least you should have the basics of the basics of the prerequisites before you actually go into Kubernetes. It it just makes things easier. So there are a lot of you'll save yourself from a lot of trouble if you actually start from the right from the right place instead of walking yourself back. So yeah, I I, I think it's actually good. Um it, it because you, you you still have the opportunity to learn along the way, but at least you need to get your foot in um, the fundamentals before you actually start going into Kubernetes because it's just so broad that there are just so many things and I, I haven't even gone anywhere and it could get so overwhelming if you don't start from the right place. Yeah, no, to totally agree. Trust me, I, uh, I, I work with Kubernetes every day and I'm still overwhelmed. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. awesome. So uh, before we start wrapping up here, w what's your next step in your journey? What's the next thing that you're going to be doing from a Kubernetes perspective? I'm actually working on a second issue for the same organization. Um, um, do you, for still trying to contribute to open source and this time it's it's like a larger problem. And um, I think this problem has to do with um, cluster volumes. So cluster volumes um, using NFS servers, file servers and everything, and um, host parts and all that. So the thing now is that um, I didn't know like so much about volumes. So 
how these volumes are mounted on the operating system and everything and how they are also how they are mounted on the host system, how they are mounted in the Kubernetes cluster. And another problem is that it's not just with Kubernetes now. So I have to find a way to get the solution for Kubernetes and for the deployments on other orchestrators. So I saw something like OpenShift and honestly, I don't really know how that works. And then um, I think uh, Slurm. So I think Slurm is um, specific to Linux, but I'm not very sure. And then Docker Swarm too. So yeah, I, I would actually advise a lot of people to try to contribute to open source because it's challenging but at the same time i feel like if i probably did not take the step that i moved over to another tool thinking oh i i know kubernetes now so but now that i'm actually trying to work on projects and everything i'm seeing that okay there's a whole new level to it and then i also discovered the Kubernetes um, Python client um, API. And I never even knew that there was something like that. So in the process, I'm just discovering new things and also trying to fix the problem, um, the open source um, issue right now. So yeah, that that's it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think contributing to open source, I think that is going to help you open up certain doors. So for example, just like you said, where, you know, the problem could be with uh, the container volumes, right? But that's going to open up doors to helping you understand storage as a whole and all that good stuff. So yeah, there's, there's a million learning opportunities from that perspective and, you know, the ability to take what you know and kind of expand on it and, you know, even get you some of those prerequisites along the way, which is really cool. So all right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up for this episode. Uh, but I do want to ask, did you, do you want to plug your Twitter? Do you want to tell people where they can find you? <laughs> okay. Um, it's just Alero Awani. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put that link in the show notes and everything. Well, Alero, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. I'm sure everybody enjoyed this episode, especially the people that are diving into Kubernetes and, you know, engineering for the very first time. So thank you so yeah. much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you.